We've got a set of notes tonight. We're going to try to finish up this part of the city, going right up here. Several things to take a look at. Uh, it's going to be Nehemiah chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 16 tonight. I know we covered 16, 17, 18, uh, but then we'll get into some new material. I've got on your notes uh, a little snapshot of this part uh, right here that you can follow on your notes. Of course, it's color-coded in your book that you've got that you can follow also. That'd be on page 21. And then on the next page of notes, I've got this map right here of all the, uh, the people on where they were building at. Uh, and you can see that. That'll be kind of useful as, as we move up that area. Uh, as far as the archaeological sites that are in here, um, one of the things that would be interesting would be if you turned to page... Uh, and we may do this again in a little bit, but page 24, it looks like this in your notes. And uh, that is a, a, a photo taken from the Mount of Olives looking at this section right here. And you can see uh, the names of the people that are building. Again, obviously, I'm, I'm just, there are some, some things that we can locate uh, as far as where those people were building uh, that just kind of fits in, just slides into the slots. Uh, but something that would be absolute would be down in here where it says the collapsed terraces. That's right here. The step stone structure is absolutely right there. And right above that is, if you're following archaeology, that would be where David's palace was. Uh, it's going to be, uh, would be probably referred to as the lower house because there's going to be an upper house up here. And that's the circle and that's going to be an estimate because Solomon built his own temple and it would probably be in this area. Uh, we do know where the, uh, the uh, uh, water gate is at and I'm going to show you that here in a moment. But you can see that going all along there. And that's generally the line of the wall. Uh, from that, I'm going to look at... Yeah, this is a good one on page 20 also. It's the same view, but I've got, it's kind of small. Uh, but the Ophel, we're going to talk about the Ophel. That's this area right here. Of course, this is a rock formation. The whole thing is rising, going up to the highest point right here, then even rising a little bit more. This is called the Ophel. See, O-P-H-E-L, it means the rising, the swelling. Uh, but this is rising up to the Mount Moriah. And so that will be referred to several times tonight. And I'm flipping through here. And I think we'll take a look at, later on tonight, we'll look at probably page 35. Okay. In our text, or in our, uh, our notes, the notes I handed out for tonight... I do want to clarify, I, 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 I got, I don't want, yeah, I, I didn't do a real clear job last week of, they kept talking about cities as far as districts and then rulers of cities and then people coming from certain cities. And so I broke it down a little, little graph at the top and uh, right here, as you can see, there's Jerusalem, Beth Hakarim, Mizra, or Mizpah, Beth Zur, and Keilah, those are your one, two, three, four, five districts. And so those are the heads of the districts. It'd be like the, the county seat. Now, in Jerusalem, it talks about half of the district, the ruler of half the district, and then another verse talked about the ruler of the half. So this, it's not the city that's divided. I'm not sure of what the territory is of the Jerusalem district, but it would be you know, around Jerusalem, maybe extending over here. Well, one of the rulers was working and was in charge of half of the district. The other ruler was also working, was in charge of the other half of the district. Beth Hakarim is right here, very close to Jerusalem, so you'd assume that must be going down this direction. I'm not sure. But that guy was working. The ruler from the, the district of Mizpah was working. And then it mentions Beth Zur of half the district of Beth Zur. So one of the half districts of Beth Zur wasn't working. One of them was. Now again, these, these Kila and Beth Zur are cities 
Uh, they were populated during this time period. Archaeology shows that they are very low population because of the oppression coming up from the, Aram, uh, the Arabs coming up this way. And these people may have moved into the city. But this was a, a, an area that they're kind of trying to decide who are they going to follow. The uh, Gerzim of the, the Arabs coming or this new guy, Nehemiah, who's rebuilding the city. Uh, who's going to win this, this game? The rest of the book is about that. The rest of the book is going to be about all the conflicts they have externally and internally because some of the people that support the opposition, you know, the other countries, uh, other satraps or provinces, are against Nehemiah and they're within his town. Keilah is also mentioned and both there's a ruler of half the district of both of those are mentioned as we read that last week and we'll read this week. Also, uh, the ruler of a city is mentioned. And you see, the ruler of the district of Mizpah was mentioned, but also there's going to be the ruler of the city of Mizpah. And so that would be just the ruler of the city. There's also a district leader, and so those are two different individuals. And just to have you have a list there, the last thing on the column is these are people that came to work. Jericho, the Tekoites are mentioned twice. They're mentioned in verse 5 right away over on this part of the, of the wall right here where it says their nobles, the elite, didn't come help build, but they did. They're also going to be building over on this side of the wall tonight, a second part of the Tekoites. So these people, Tekoa, which is not one of the main cities, the districts, but it is down south here, they have a particular interest, it appears, of getting Jerusalem up and running because they're getting pressure. They're the next ones to be overrun by the uh, rising Arabs coming from you know, down here, the Arabian Peninsula, they're moving up this way. They've already, like we said before, driven out uh, the Edomites. Uh, and then Mizpah, which is interesting. If I'm going to say it one more time. Mizpah, we saw a verse where it mentions right here. It mentions in this area, it mentions the, the seat of the governor of Trans-Euphrates, which could be interpreted that right here where they were building was Mizpah was helping build and they were building in this location where the governor of Trans-Euphrates had a seat or a house uh, government building right here in Jerusalem uh, which would be odd it's not like a uh, 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 you know like a government seat where they're welcoming he may have just invaded or the government it says the seat of the governor of Trans-Euphrates is in Mizpah meaning over here this is Trans-Euphrates over here, this part right here, on this side is Trans-Euphrates, it's a larger area. But the governor, the satrap, like Nehemiah is the governor of, uh, of Judea, this governor had a seat, a government house here in Mizpah, or it was in Jerusalem. And so I, I, I go both ways. I put it on the map here, but I'm thinking that when it mentions Mizpah, it means Mizpah, the people were working and they're living in the city where the governor of Trans-Euphrates actually has a governmental seat. So meaning that if that's the case, Trans-Euphrates is trying to control this just like the Arabs are trying to control this. They've actually moved in and have a government center here. These people are like, um, any chance we get to build Jerusalem, we're going to come down here and help. And so Mizpah has come down here to build. So that's kind of a correction on what we see right there. Okay, let's go ahead. Verse or page one, chapter three, verse sixteen, and again it's going to be some names. I'll make a few comments. We're starting in verse sixteen. It says after him Nehemiah the son of Azbach, and so right here we're down in this area, uh, working right in through here, moving up, and you can follow along there. Yeah, Nehemiah starting right down here, right from the uh, pool of the kings or the artificial pool of the king the tomb of David, they're working here, and they're going to be moving up, going through this very, very uh, collapsed, destroyed territory. Remember, these guys were building uh, a quarter of a mile. One group built about a quarter of a mile, or one-sixth of the wall themselves. Look over here. These guys are building small sections because they've got a lot of work to do, and, and they're moving. They've got to go up the hill, work at the top of the stone ridge, and all this rubble is down below. Maybe their building materials are easy to get to because they've got stones that have all collapsed, but they've got a lot of slow work going. So we're starting down there, and we'll try to read through this. Here we go. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, ruler of half the district of Bethzur, 
repaired to the point opposite the tombs of David as far as the artificial pool and as far as the house of the mighty men. So again, we, we notice I put the tomb of David here. They're actually right here on this side, and they, they worked as far up as this way. And we looked at that last week. Um, uh, point, chapter 3, verse 17. After him, the Levites repaired. And so again, Levites working down this area. Uh, they're the temple servants. They're a long ways from the temple, but they're down here helping. Again, why are they down here? Probably the most work needs to be done here. And of course, the northern wall here. And so the Levites are down there working. Uh, next to him, Hajabiah, ruler of half the district of Keilah, repaired for his district. So Keilah is from here is also working right there beside uh, the people of Beth Zur. Um, after him, their brothers repaired. Baviah, the son of Hanadad, ruler of half the district of Keilah. Verse 19, next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, ruler of Mizpah. There, Mizpah, that's again the name of the city. He's the ruler of the city. Repaired another section opposite the ascent to the armory at the buttress. And that's one right here. The buttress is, uh, it's a tough word that they struggle with trying to translate. But what it looks like is there's a, a wall that ran up here on the ridge, the high part of the city. But as they built the terraces down, at the bottom of the, the terrace, down in the Kidron Valley, they built a second wall to kind of protect the terraces that were built underneath the main wall. Well, where that wall connects here, the, it's also translated corner. And where it connects here, that is called the buttress or the corner. It's also translated the angle. So they're building right here uh, uh, where the walls would meet. Uh, point two, I just point out in verse 315, the district of territory of Mizpah was ruled by Shalom. Here it's mentioning the city. Turning the page, page two. After him, chapter three, verse 20, after him, Barak, the son of Zabiah, repaired another section from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. So from where this wall connects to the house of the high priest. So the high priest is living. It says very clearly this is his house. When we get up here, it's going to be talking about chambers or living spaces. Uh, and it may be, uh, like here's the, the house of the temple servants. Uh, it's probably on this side of the wall. See, I remember I put them on the inside. They should be outside the temple wall, but inside the city wall here after, after I did some more research. Uh, I'd like to have that moved here. But also, this house of the temple servants, but down here, the temple servants are living on the offal. We're going to get to there. So why are the temple servants in two places? Maybe they've got two different places they live. This may be the residence of the temple servants with their houses, their families. This may be a house for the service of the temple where they go in there for, for breaks or they, that's where they put on their garments that where they're going their their. They're not, they're not uh, priests, but they're the servants where they keep their equipment. So that may be more of a, you know, a, a locker room for the, the temple servants here. And this is their houses right here. And same thing, what's interesting is Eliashib has got a house down here. This is definitely not his locker room. He's down here and he's got a house. And up in here is where you're going to have, as we saw in Ezra, he went to Eliashib's quarters up here when he, after he got done weeping and wailing and throwing himself down on the temple mount, he went in to one of the chambers, which is probably one of the, the locker rooms, again, for lack of a better word. But Eliashib's down here. But also, we're going to see, it seems like it's a fairly large house, although they're not doing as much distance work here because of the, the damage. Um, verse 21 again, After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of Eliashib. So someone builds from the angle, the buttress, the corner, up to the door of Eliashib, and then someone else and his crew starts building at the door and builds all the way across the front of Eliashib's house, which would give the impression it's a fairly, it's not just, you know, a little shack. And again, that's the high priest. He's probably got a pretty good place to live. After him, the priest the men of the surrounding area repaired. So again, that may be why the Levites are down here. The priests are repairing up in here, going further up here. Chapter 3, verse 23, After them, Benjamin and Hashab repaired opposite their house. So this would be Benjamin and Hashab, and their, their names are mentioned on the, the green lettered. Uh, 
they're working on their house here at the wall opposite. Again, like I said before, at one time I had their house way over here trying to figure out, but it's probably just inside. They're just working on the wall opposite their house, outside their, outside their door, their window. Um, and after them, Azariah, the son of Mashiach, the son of Ananiah, re- repaired opposite his house. And that's why I've got here, I've got a B for Benjamin and there for uh, Anana, Anna, Ananiah. So that's, that's his house. So their house are there working on those. Now we're, getting, we're heading right up here to the step stone structure and right below David's palace where that would have been. After him, Ben-Nui, the son of Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress and to the corner. So from here, he, here's where the wall meets again. The lower wall would meet here. There's your buttress or your corner or your angle. He's repairing from this house, Azariah's, up to this buttress right here. And I think if I take a moment here uh, to look in the book, I've got this drawn out. Um, and if you look, this is right here, where we're at on the wall building right here. If you go to page 42, uh, you can see this right there. This right here is the step stone structure, looking again from, the, from across the Kidron Valley, looking, we're on page 42 of the booklet. This is the step stone structure that was there when David took the city. It's built by the Jebusites, the kind of holding up that side. They actually had their own, own terraces there. But then right here, you see the square at the top. I've got two white squares. And if we are correct in labeling where these people are working at, and we're close. I mean, we're, we may be one or two steps off, but we're very close. These stones were, are from the days of Nehemiah. Up here, these stones were set there. These are there by the Jebusites. These were set part of Nehemiah's wall. And so, rebuilt likely by Ben-Nui, the son of Henadad, though he set those stones right there. So you can see where he was working at right there on page 42. Um, and down here I put an arrow, worked by Azariah, would have been down here. So we're right down into this area where Azariah's house would be right about, right about here, going back into the city behind the wall. And that's just kind of interesting to see that. Go to page 43 or just turn the page. Now I'm standing right here in front. I'm actually standing on the, you know, the rubble of the terraces, per se. And I'm looking, you can see... Uh, Oh, yeah, I've got it labeled stepstone structure. You can see the stepstone structure is right here. That, we're looking at this. And then in the red, those are stones, all, not just the top, but all the way down are stones set by Nehemiah from their dated to Nehemiah's time. And those would be the stones that were set uh, just like, like we talked about before. Now, right here, the, the, you can see a house right here. You, if you see it, several things here, I'll look at this top picture. These were buried in Nehemiah's day. So they didn't see these because they were covered up in rubble. They weren't found until the 1960s and recently uh, by Eliot Mazer. Mazer. Uh, Those are houses of of some of the wealthy, rich people uh, that were overthrown by the Babylonians. There's are pillars in their houses. Uh, You can see the walls of their houses. This is another view of the same area. Again, in the red, you can see stones set by Nehemiah. But as you're looking at it from here, you can see uh, some of the structures. If you look over here and you can't see it, uh, but there's actually a, a toilet. There's a, a stone toilet setting, and I've got pictures online of it, that it was actually one of the, the restrooms if the, if that they would have there. Uh, and there's steps going up. On, you can see on one side, the steps would go up onto the roof. So you could go up the steps and walk on the roof. Now, again, not to, you know, go on and on about this, but understand when David, when he saw Bathsheba, uh, he was out on his palace looking around, and he saw Bathsheba taking a bath. Well, he's living up here above the step stone structure. He's living here. If she was living here or, you know, possibly anywhere, but if she, he's looking down on all these houses, uh, 
And if she's up on the outer part of the house, you know, taking a bath or whatever, maybe she's covered up this way, but David's got to look down like that, whatever. That all plays into the story. And that's not my point tonight, but that's where that's taking place. So that's where they're building. Uh, and again, the, the neat thing about that is you can see some of the stones that they've actually set. Turn the page one more time, and on page 44, now I'm actually standing in David's palace, or the remains of it, looking over the stones, and you can see those lines right there, looking at the top stones of Nehemiah's 440, 444 B.C. wall above the 1000 B.C. stepstone structure. So there, I'm looking right there at some of the stones that Nehemiah's men set. Uh, and if we go by this chart right here, those were set by Ben-Nui uh, as he was building in that area. And then you can see the stepstone structure from the top, Kidron Valley's marked. Uh, and don't lose your page because we're heading right up here. We're heading up to this right here, the, the, the water gate right here in just a moment. So here we go. We're on back to the notes on page 2. Chapter 3, verse 24, after him, Ben-Nui, the son of Henadad, repaired another section from the house of Azariah to the buttress corner, which means he built what we just looked at. Some of those stones were set by him. That's where we're at. Chapter 3, verse 25, Palel, the son of Uzziah, repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard. After him, Padiah, the son of Peruza, and the temple servants they built. Okay, so let's look at verse 25. Palel, the son of Uzziah, repaired opposite the buttress. So here's where the, wall, the lower walls meeting the upper wall. That would be from here the buttress, or angle number two, or the second corner. He's building up this way to the upper house. Now, it, this would most like, again, they didn't leave labels for us. You know, we haven't found like David's throne, you know, like, you know. But it looks like this was David's palace. But we also read in the Bible that Solomon built his own palace. This would have been up here possibly, or at least it was a, another upper palace of the king. So that means if this is the upper palace, that means this would be the lower palace, going down uh, the lower, the rising stone formation so now you're into the area right here and what you're going to find here is the court of the guard is going to be mentioned you're going to have an upper palace and then there's going to be a projecting tower and the projecting tower would be in the wall and you can see right here i've drawn in the wall the wall is being built but they're not necessarily they're not built not necessarily they're not building solomon's palace they're not building the projecting tower these things were destroyed and remained during uh from 586 so what you've got here is solomon's palace which is apparently up and functioning or at least it's there and in the wall would have been from the old testament times possibly built by someone like uzziah or some of the people that came by later to to reinforce the city walls manasseh also did it when he came back from captivity may have built a projecting tower right there to kind of oversee and look we have that you're looking over into the kidron valley and you're protecting the king's palace so there's three things the projecting tower it's projecting out of the wall it's not just a wall when we get to this point it projects out and then there's the guard tower so that's where we're at right there in verse 25 palil son of uzziah repaired opposite the buttress and the tower projecting from the upper house of the king at the court of the guard so all that has taken place right here this is probably solomon's royal area going right here and again i if you look at uh oh yeah i showed you that already where i had it circled on that view from the mount of olives i had that area generally circled just someone's house now there's houses there right now uh someone owns the property if they excavated it you know they dug up their house they could probably find solomon's palace but again do you want to, you know, if you're living there, if you're living, your house is on an archaeological site, do you want to bulldoze it and see if you can find Solomon's Palace? It's like, not really. I want to, no, I don't, not now. Uh, so I'm all excited about bulldozing their house. Let's find out what's underneath there. It's like, well, no, I, I got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> They're living there, you know, which is, you know, makes complete sense. Unless you're really into archaeology and you want to bulldoze the whole place and find out what's underneath there. Okay, verse 26. And the temple servants temple servants living on the offal repair to the point opposite the water gate on the east and the projecting tower now that's the second projecting tower now the temple servants are living here they're living on the offal again this is the offal so exactly where they're at 
uh, they're, in, they're in this general area. But they're going to build from the, this area, from this upper palace, up to the water gate. So they're building this section right here. So the temple servants, you've got Levites and priests building down here. Now the temple servants are who are, carry water. They help keep the temple clean. They're not priests, not necessarily even Levites. If, I, if you want to press it, some of them are actually Gentiles. They were taken in by David. Maybe sometimes they're taken captive or they were just came into the land and they just needed help in the temple. And they're, in a sense, immigrants from the Gentiles uh, from way back in the days of David and Solomon. And their families have just continued. It, it, it's nothing like what we do. We just break out and start our own career, start our own job. But these guys, the priests, the Levites, a lot of these people, are, they, they're, they're here because of their heritage. In fact, they're going back to their towns. Why are you going to Keilah? That's where my family's from. We, we, we're from here. And so these temple servants, they could have, some of them could have been, if they're not Levites, they may be just Gentiles that have come in, and they just, that's their career. Their family job is to serve in the temple. And that's, that's recorded in Scripture. Nonetheless, they came down and are building this section right here, and now we're heading to... Uh, uh, the water gate. Uh, where am I at here? Uh, and the temple servants, verse 26, temple servants on the offal repaired to a point opposite the water gate. Now this is a big deal right here. Water gate right there. I, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, uh, on the east and the projecting tower. So this water gate is going to be an actual gate of the city. Has something to do with water apparently. And there's also a projecting tower, meaning uh, beside the gate is another tower that's jetting out from the wall that's there for protection. And fortunately, uh, that has been excavated. Uh, I'm going to turn the page and come back to that. But on the notebook, yes, the notebook right here, page 44. Uh, this is a photograph of Jerusalem. And you can kind of see, uh, if you want to find David's palace and the stepstone structure right there uh, in the drawing. And we're coming up this way. And now what I've circled right here is the gatehouse right there. And that has been excavated. I, I, I saw it being excavated in 2007, 2010. And it wasn't until 2012 that I actually went down and Eliot Mazer had been excavating it, that I went down and moved through the, the, the whole system, took pictures. Still didn't understand it. If you don't mind, in my mind, I'm looking at the south wall of the temple. I'm south of the temple mount. You understand? I, and, and the wall of the city comes up like this, goes here, and goes around like this, something like that. And this is just south of the temple. And... It kept talking about a gate. I'm reading the signs, and you, I, you know, I, I, I study, and I try and put things together, and you maybe think, oh, wow, he knows so much. He's got all these charts and stuff. Uh, and I'm not sure how your mind works, but sometimes I'm looking at things, and it's kind of like, I don't understand this sign. This is a gate. And I'm looking at a gate to the city wall, and then right there's the, the south wall of the temple. It's like, what's a gate doing here? Because, you know, everything's, in my mind, it's square. Here's the, the Temple Mount. This is south of the city. The, the wall runs over here along the east side. Well, if you look at this, the Kidron Valley cuts like this. And this gate is actually in the wall right here. It's, a, it's the straight wall going this way. It makes complete sense now. But when you're standing here and you're looking, and the temple comes down like this, because Herod extended it down like this, and you're standing just a few feet from the temple, looking up at the temple, it's like, how's there a gate here? How's there a wall here? Well, there is. And so, nonetheless, I was very excited as I'm putting this together. All of a sudden, I'm looking at my pictures, reading these things, and it's not making sense. And I even, I wrote the Jerusalem book, the revised one, and I made some, put some things in there, and it started coming together. But when I started doing this, all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I want to go back and redo what I did in the book because it made even more sense. Okay, so turn the page, page 45. And if, again, good luck understanding me, okay? I apologize. But this right here is this straight wall. You see right here, the straight wall right here. This is the, called the wall of the Ophel. Here, it's referred to in Nehemiah as the wall of the Ophel. 
uh, the archaeology team called it the straight wall because as they're excavating, they just keep uncovering this straight wall right here. Just keep, well, there's more wall. Just keep, they kept going. It's, it's a built-up wall. It was Nehemiah's wall, probably replacing the previous Old Testament wall, but it's a straight shot just going right up here and then turning, going on the east side of the temple. But it goes from this gate, goes all the way up, and you can see it very clearly. And so there is a drawing of it, the straight wall right there. But if you can handle this, and I, I, I'm not insulting you, I'm just I'm fearful of my communication skills. This wall continues down just like this. But where it says the large tower right there, that's the gate. You're actually going to walk in through two chambers. Again, get out of your mind, and I, it took me a while to do this. Because when I think of a gate of a city, you think there's a big wall, and then someone opens the door, and you walk through the gate. I'm in. It's like, it'd be like this, 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 could, this whole building could be the gate. And you'd come in one side, you'd go through chambers, maybe even turn, and go out over there. And there'd be, that's why they have, and you know this, the elders would meet in the gate of the city. Now, if you think about a door that swings or a gate that opens, and they walk in, it's like you meet, what, some, some chairs there? I mean, they'd meet in the gate of the city. It's like the gate of the city would be like a mall almost. It'd be like a, a shopping. There'd be, there'd be people selling water, selling goods, selling fish, whatever. And then there'd be a place for meeting. Uh, there'd be gods, little shrines, especially the pagans. You'd have different gods you'd offer incense to as you'd walk into the city. And so you're walking through a shopping mall. Think about walking through. It's not as big as a shopping mall, but it's, well, you can see it right here. And so on this white line right here, that's where you'd come in from this side of the city. You'd be walking in this way. You'd walk in. You'd turn and walk out this way. And on this white line, you can see that. And now that white line is up here also. You see where it's coming in? So this picture almost needs to be turned. But you come in, turn, and go through. And so as you're walking right here, I've got very faintly written there, C, C. Those are chambers. Those are gate chambers coming out. You've come in and are walking through. You're going through two chambers on both sides. You can see them right there. And then there's another chamber with a W. That was the water chamber. They found water jars there just where they would just stack water. So somewhere in this gate, they're getting water. Now people want to make a connection of the water gate to the Gion Springs. And that's fine. Consider that. But this is ridiculous to come down here then bring water up here when you've got other ways of accessing it here. This fountain gate is going out to the king's pool. They're, they're thinking, and Eliot Mazer says eventually, we're going to find some kind of reservoir underneath here. There is, somehow there is a well, and there was water underneath there that was uh, uh, either collected or whatever. But that's, that's why they call, it, they call it the water gate here. There's water containers there. And people could come, and they would actually buy the water in the container and take it back home. So you, as you're looking at it right there. Now, Within here also, you see these uh, pithoi, uh, where is it? Yeah, there's a, I've got it labeled throughout here. But this is, on this side up here where it says north, that's another royal building. For some, there's some kind of a royal building right here. And there's a royal bakery right outside, right beside the gate right here. So there's these pithoi, which are very large jars. When, when Eliot mods are excavated, they'd all been crushed in the Babylonian fires. And so they're excavating this gate. Now, Nehemiah is building. He didn't excavate this. He just built right over the top of it. I mean, he didn't dig these things up. He just builds right over the top. They're in the middle of life. They're being invaded from the south. They got trans-Euphrates coming in. It's like, should we excavate this? It's like, no, we should rebuild it. Just bury it. It's like, who cares? We're now, we're excavating. We dig down through Nehemiah's time. Now you're down to 586, and they find these jars and Tony and I were fortunate enough in 2010, we went down to uh, one of the, the, the ministries, the archaeological support systems that helps finance some of these excavations. They, the things they found here, they put them over in Oklahoma City for a display for a certain period of time, for several weeks. We drove down and saw these pithoi, but also, uh, let's turn the page because this goes on forever, all right? Now, this top picture, uh, 
I want to have a show of hands just for a little confirmation vote, but I'm not going to do that. It just shows it's a sign of weakness and lack of confidence. I'm just going to keep going. But here's that water gate again. You see right here the little drawing. You're coming in and going up like this. I walked right like that, walked through there, walked past those. See the four chambers? You see the water house? You see the straight wall? The straight wall right here. Then there's a projecting tower built outside here to help defend the gate. Now, you've heard it before, but right here, they found in a scientific excavation, they found tubula. Eliot Mazur found them, I don't know, sometime between 2008, 2010, maybe 2007. In the excavation, she found an Isaiah bula and a Hezekiah bula. Right here, the Hezekiah bula was laying right outside. See that bl the black dot there, the tower? It was laying right there. They're excavating it as if someone from this royal building just took a bunch of the, the parchments or whatever documents were sealed with, they sealed them with a clay bula and pressed their ring into it, just threw them over, and everything is just going up in flames. They're burning down the city. They found, and she, I mean, this is not like, well, do you think so? Is it, is it a real one? It's like, she found it in the dirt at the right layer. They, they swept it off. It's like, well, and then someone translated. It's like, that's Hezekiah. That's his, that's his ring. Now, he would have had more than probably one ring. Would have distributed him to his staff, probably. It could have been him himself, uh, but it could have been somebody. But it's Hezekiah's seal of royalty on a document. Then just a little further up this wall, and you can see the spot right there, they found the Isaiah Bula. Uh, not that it's the only one that ever existed. It's the one that they found. And it says, like I've said before, it's got a, on the top of the bula, on the top of the ring, when you press it in, there would have been a, a fawn or a deer. And you can see the body of the deer. You can see the couple of the legs. And then it says very clearly in Hebrew, Isaiah. And then it's got his position, his title of who he is. And, and again, Part of the first letter is broken off. Now, it's in Hebrew, but if we were to say it in English, it would say Isaiah, the, and then Isaiah, the ending of the name, means the prophet. The, he is the prophet. But part of the P is broken. Now, it's not a P. It's in Hebrew. But part of that letter is broken, so it's like, ah, it really doesn't say prophet. It says Isaiah, the prophet. It's like, and you can see part of the P. Okay, well, it could be, well, there's only like three letters it could possibly be. Uh, and it'd be like, you know, like a B or a Q or something. You know, uh, the prophet, or it could be prophet, or it could be quaffet. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, there's no quaffet and there's no prophet. So meaning the only option is in the Hebrew language that it says Isaiah the prophet. So if you're honest, it's like it says Isaiah the prophet. And if you're, well, you never can tell. Well, go ahead. Yeah, you don't know. Enjoy hell. But uh, this right, they found it laying right there. And it's interesting because, uh, again, you don't have to believe in the Isaiah seal, Bula, to go to heaven. You have to have faith in Jesus Christ, not in the Isaiah Bula. Almost became some false religion there. Uh, but uh, uh, that, that was something. It's interesting that it, in the Bible, Isaiah and Hezekiah are communicating with each other. And that would indicate that in this royal, possibly at least, in this royal building right beside this water gate uh, that was destroyed, they had collected Isaiah's documents and his communication with Hezekiah uh, were kept there. Uh, so, which makes sense. Uh, as you look down here, as in this picture now, I'm looking at it from the inside, looking at, before I was looking at it from the outside. Now you can see I've got the, uh, the chambers right here in front, and then way in the background there, you can see the pathoi, the, the jars along the back there. And then the royal structure right here. And then in, labeled in the background there, the straight wall. That straight wall you can see in the back there that's been excavated. And now you can see my confusion is right here. This is, the south, this is the south wall of the temple right here. And so it's like, how's there a wall south of the temple? It's like, well, you can see it, it's south of the temple. It, it makes complete sense. Here now is another picture. And uh, this is picturing the, uh, the, the uh, outside. I'm taking a picture outside. You see there's a road there, and then you can see the Mount of Olives in the background. This is the extra tower right here, the large tower. And you can see I've got it marked. Hezekiah's bula was found here. Isaiah's bula was found here. And I'm kind of marking that again. Uh, here's the water gate right there. I took a picture of, not the water gate. That's the picture of the, 
uh, after you go, come in, you go by a chamber on both sides, a chamber, a second chamber, and then right there is this chamber, and it had jars for water in it. And uh, those are from 586 B.C. So you can, see, you can see the benches. Again, this is just the stonework. If you remember as we read this, once the gates were built or rebuilt, they, they uh, hung the gates, they put in the hardware, they put in the beams. So a lot of these things would have wood covering on it. They're going to be not just rocks, just like, you know, uh, we've got, you can see the, like we said before, you can see the, the poured foundation down here, but you can go other places where it's, it's finished, it's got woodwork. The same thing, you can see the stone foundation, but if people are using this, they're going to have wood overlays, it's going to be decorated. Uh, and that's what Nehemiah is doing. They're getting it fortified. All right, here. Now we're standing. There's the Temple Mount right there. The south. I'm on page 48. South of the Temple Mount, coming this way. There's the Ophel right here. So taking this picture, I'm standing right about here. The water gate would be right to my right. And going right up here is the straight wall or the wall of the Ophel. And then the next thing it's going to mention is a horse gate. We know nothing about the horse gate, but it's right here. And we're going to talk about that next. So this area right here would be where the temple servants' houses were. This is where the wall was. And uh, let's go on. I'm on the bottom of page 2, chapter 3, verse 27. After him, the Tekoites, again, the Tekoites are back working, repaired another section opposite the great projecting tower as far as the wall of the Ophel. So they're, they're working right in here. They're working on this from here as far as the wall of the Ophel. They're going to stop right in here, and someone else is going to finish the wall of the Ophel. Turn the page, page 3. Above the horse gate, the priest repaired each one opposite his house. So coming up here, the, the straight wall, that Ophel wall is being rebuilt until they get to the horse gate. The priests are going to start building at the horse gate this way, opposite their houses. So I put their houses right here. Now I would assume those are houses, residences of the priest. Uh, it's close to the temple, it makes sense. This horse gate, we don't know anything about it, but I can say that when Herod extended, and it, it may be covered up actually, when Herod extended the Temple Mount down, he built chambers underneath it. You know, it was, he had to put in a bunch of fill. So there's a, several, uh, you know, not several, but there's, there's support systems underneath. It's not just solid dirt or fill. You've got rooms down there. Even today, you can go down underneath there. Of course, the Muslims control it, so you can't. But you can go down underneath there. And this picture right here, there's a block gate. It's, the, it's a single gate right here. Again, the Temple Mount is further this way because of Herod's extension. But that gate is going right underneath. If you, if you could walk through those blocked-off walls, you could walk right underneath the Temple Mount. And that is, it's called the single gate today. There's a single gate a triple gate, and then a double gate. All, the double gates still got stairs that they're still using from the New Testament times. The Crusaders used this gate to go underneath and keep their horses underneath the Temple Mount. That's why underneath the Temple Mount today it's called so Solomon's Stables because they thought Solomon kept his horses there. So there's a horse gate right here or a single gate used by the Crusaders in 1000 A.D. It's just interesting. Here's the horse gate where the horses apparently would come in, when the crusaders come, they use a gate that's here to put their horses under the temple mount in what they called were Solomon's stables. Because Solomon had all these horses and chariots. They are, this is where Solomon kept his horses. So they made a connection, the crusaders. So there's still a connection right here to horses, stables, horse gate. And that's just interesting, if you find so. I, and I, I do. Okay, turn the page. Now, on page 3. Of the notes tonight, chapter 3, verse 28, above the horse gate, the priest repaired each one opposite his own house. Chapter 3, verse 29, after them, Zadok, the son of Emer, repaired opposite his own house. So there's Zadok. I put his house right here on the Temple Mound, thinking it may be like a chamber. Most likely, it should be on this side, between the temple wall and this wall that's going to be built up on the outside. And again, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I'm going to. If you look right here, see this page 50. This, I'm standing looking at the eastern gate right here. This wall right here is the wall of the Temple Mount today, right here on page 50. But it is also the eastern wall of the city. 
So again, like I said before, it took me a while to figure out that there's another wall out here. Just like uh, where these houses go, there, there's a wall built outside of the temple. Because when you go there and look at it, it's not there. You just see this wall extending the, from the temple, but it's also the city wall. That wall was there with the eastern gate in it, just like you see right here, although it's been rebuilt and it's higher than it was. They also built a wall outside, so the Temple Mount was on the inside the city walls. Now, you won't see that today. There's remains. So Zadok's house was probably on the outside of the Temple Mount, on the inside of this wall, as was these living spaces right there. So keep that in mind. Uh, it says, after, after them, Zadok, the son of Emer, repaired opposite his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, repaired. So now you've got the keeper of the east gate, and that east gate would be the gate that led into the temple mount. The pre- you'd go through that gate to enter the temple mount for sacrifices. But there's also going to be a gate outside in the outside wall. Right there, going to be called the Mifkid gate. Chapter 3, verse 30, after him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanan, the sixth son of Zelath, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, repaired opposite his chamber. So Meshulam, his living chamber, and when it says chamber, that doesn't mean necessarily residence. That could be chamber, like when, when Ezra goes to the chamber it may have been like a like i said before a locker room or a place you keep your supplies or your clothes for working on the temple mount that may be outside here also but he's building opposite his his chamber right there we're gonna look at this some more just get those things in mind uh repaired as far as the house of the temple servants so now up here he's built here's zadok's house here's meshulam's house or living quarter probably outside the wall inside the outside wall but outside the temple mount and then the house of the temple servants is right here. Again, the temple servants apparently live here, but there's their changing area or whatever. They may be actual residences. Uh, those being said there, temple servants and, and of the merchants. So now you're going to have the merchants are also, I got the house way over here, which I think I'm wrong. It'd be next to the house of the temple servants. All these r- houses here used to be outside. And then I moved them onto the temple mount, and now I'm moving in between the walls because I'm still learning. Uh, So this is not here. It's right up in here. And it's interesting, the merchants, and again, I've got that written down. Let's read some of these notes here, bottom of page three. Uh, It says, after saying something about the, uh, uh, yeah, verse 31. After him, Melchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants, opposite the muster gate and to the upper chamber of the corner. So you've got the goldsmiths actually working right here, which means they may have had chambers here. The merchants have chambers here. And the temple servants have chambers here. And all three of them, it makes sense if you think about it, would be close to the temple. First of all, the temple servants are close. The goldsmiths, this is covered with gold. They have garments laced with gold so gold is a prominent thing here plus they store the gold in the temple so the goldsmiths are close to the temple uh they did their they were helping rebuild this part of the wall remember and then you're going to have the merchants well what are the merchants doing here once again this is where the traffic's at and the merchants would be here near the traffic where they're going to be doing you know the, the their sales and the merchants may not be the local businessmen it could be it may be the merchants stay here in the, the, the house, which could be almost like a hotel. The traveling merchants have a place to stay when they're busy doing business, and then they travel back and forth. Because if you're a merchant, why wouldn't you just live here in the town like everybody? Why do you got a special place for the merchants to live? It may be a, a, a place uh, just for them, for the traveling merchants to stay. And that's kind of what's written down right there. Uh, and if this would help, we'll do a couple things here as I wrap this up. Go to page... 53, and I think I started this a long time ago, this page right here. And I've got it right here on this one. Let's see if I can pull this off. We're still waiting for the moment where all this stuff falls down. Now, 
Can you see this? Can you see the connection between this picture? Okay, you can't see. Can you see? This picture matching here. Now, here is your eastern wall today. Now, I'm taking this picture from the Mount of Olives, looking over the Kidron Valley. This is today's eastern gate. But, at this time, assuming this wall, this wall is in the same place. It's been rebuilt because the Romans knocked it over again. And the 1535... Suleiman the Magnificent rebuilt this and actually rebuilt an eastern gate on top of the old eastern gate. That is, this eastern gate that we're talking about is right here in the ground. But this white line right here represents the wall that Nehemiah built that's outside the Temple Mount. So all these houses we're talking about, like Zadok's house, Meshulah's house, they may be up against this wall right here, the eastern wall today or the temple mount wall but inside this outer wall right here would be the myth myth kid gate right here you'd come in this gate into the city and then you'd go into the temple through the eastern gate and on this picture right here that you've got i've done a little more detail and i can tell you about right now i showed you this before but now it's in play uh you see that yellow tunnel right there and that little stick figure crawling in it that is uh uh, in, in 1867, Charles Warren, who was, had a permit to go and help find water for Jerusalem by going underground, dug tunnels looking for water, but also while he was doing it, was exploring what's underneath Jerusalem. Made some fantastic diagrams, maps. And I've got a couple pictures up here, especially by the sheep, yet I got them in here. Well, he did this right here. He tunneled down, he, he, right here. He went down into the ground, and then started tunneling this way to see what he would find. I can't imagine just digging, a, just pushing dirt and just digging, and you're getting further and further into like this gopher tunnel. It's like, I mean, I've got like a thousand things I'm asking, like what happens if it caves in? What happens if I get stuck? What happens if I can't back up? I mean, it's like I, I wouldn't do it. I, there's just no way. And so I admire this guy. Well, what you can see right here, what he did, he tunneled down, and then he started going as far as he could. He's going to go right up to the east gate. But as he gets there, he hits a wall, an underground wall right here. He goes, he goes five, five and a half feet from that, his hole going down, goes five and a half feet and hits this wall that Nehemiah had built. So he backs up and can't get through there. And then he goes to the right. Well, how far does this wall go? So he just keeps going along, just going along the wall. And pretty soon that wall starts right here. It starts curving. Right here, it starts, gets right here, and he goes, curving. Okay, he says, okay, now we're going, I wonder how far it goes this way. So he came back and started going this way. And you see that tunnel, that, that is what he found. He went 14 feet to the south, and he went 55 feet this way, in the ground, under the ground, in a tunnel like a mole. I'm glad he did, but I, I don't even want to think about it while I'm going to sleep at night. It's like, you go up here, and so he found, he saw this wall right there, which gives us verification. And if that's the case, that's where the Mikvid gate would be right here. And like I see, I've got a building right here. That's the, the house of the temple servants uh, against the wall there. I drew that myself. And then you see right here, underneath the eastern gate, this present eastern gate, is another eastern gate. And we've got two pictures of what's underneath there. Uh, and you see the arch right there, and you can even see bones with an arch in the background right in there. And that was from 1969. James uh, Fleming got that picture. And then the Muslims covered it up so you couldn't see it. But there's no doubt there's a gate there. There's no doubt that there's a gate there. And then it's going to talk about the corner tower right here. There's a corner tower because this wall in our day, this wall, the Temple Mount, because Herod extended it, continues further north. But in this day, that wall, it just turned and went straight across, and that's where we've got, okay. well, yeah, right here. This is going straight across right here. Can you see that? Does that make sense? That's the, that's the north wall. Is that perspective right? For me, I'm looking at it from a weird angle. But there's the corner tower, and this goes all the way across the north. This is the north wall of the city. So when you get right here, there is a, tower you know another projecting tower to protect the city and then you turn and go straight west across the north part and there of course you've got the sheep gate the tower of 100 this is where we started chapter 3 verse 1 
Tower of Haniel right here goes all the way across the north wall right here. So this right here, there's those stones. You can see where the corner tower is at right here. It'd go down further low. But part of those stones, if you turn the page, or not turn the page, you've got to go back a page. Go to page 52. I've got it circled right there. Those are Old Testament stones right there. Those are stones possibly from Solomon's day. Those are stones that used to be a tower going up on the north corner. There would be the east gate. It'd be, a little, it'd be underneath there. But that's the remains of a tower that's been built up. So you can see, right, even in that picture, you see the stones are different. Uh, and if you go back to, yeah, go back here. Go back to two pages back. Go back page 50. There's those stones right there again. I've zoomed in on it from the Mount of Olives. There's your east gate right here. See right here's your east gate. And these are the stones I'm talking about right here. And I've got them in a square box right there. Those are from 950 to 586 B.C. stones that are the north or the northeast corner tower. And then I got an arrow pointing at them right here. And you see all the tombs on top of them. I went there to get a picture of them. I was very disappointed, I said before, because there's actually like concrete and gravel and there's some wire and just junk thrown up against them so you couldn't see them. Because if you could excavate it, who knows what you're going to find, except more proof that all this is true. And here's that junk. There you go. You say, what, what do you mean junk? Okay, that's what I mean right there. I went over there in 2010 to write that, that, the Jerusalem book in 2010 to get pictures of this and other things. I had maps drawn where I was going to go. I had five days just run around and take pictures. I got up here. It's like, what the heck? I come all the way from Des Moines, Iowa. And there, look at that, those, there's wire, like strapping wire, and just loose rocks, just dumped. That's not the way it is all around the temple. It's just right there trying to cover up. And that is, right below that, is the cornerstone. Lean Ridmeyer has, he got pictures of it and was talking about, oh, he figured out this is the cornerstone of the Old Testament northeast corner. And he publishes an article, and they say it's all covered up. And by the time I get there, I can't see it. But I got a picture. But you can still see the Old Testament stones. You can see the difference, the stones above and the stones below. And that is the bottom of this corner tower right there. And you can see again up here, you can see a little bit of right there. And again, all the Muslim gravestones on top of it, you know, which means you can't dig it because it's a holy site now. Uh, anyway, okay, let's go back and finish reading this. Uh, I find that interesting. Uh, and, uh, okay, page 3, and we're about done. Page 3, verse 31. And after him, Milchijah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired as far as the house of the temple servants, which would be right in this area here. Uh, and of the merchants opposite the muster gate, and this is the Mithgid gate or the muster gate. The muster gate, it means inspection gate. It comes from the word Mithquad, which means numbering, mustering, appointed place. I do have a footnote on, on the next page, the last page, one of the last things, from Ezekiel 43.21, uh, where this same word is used, talking about, saying this, and you shall take the bull of the sin offering and burn it, in the appointed place of the temple outside the sanctuary. So outside the sanctuary, and this would be the, the, the appointed place. So this could be said the appointed gate. So it may be a, uh, something to do with the sacrifice. It, it means either inspection, numbering, uh, in, uh, the, uh, the appointed gate. But that's what it's called right there. And you come around the corner, and there's the corner tower. And then over here, it's not in red, but it's called the prison gate. And we won't see that until we get to chapter 12 when Nehemiah and Ezra are going to come out this valley gate. So we're, we're done. If that was boring and long, I, I appreciate you sticking with it. We'll get into more of the story format starting in chapter 4. But in chapter 12, in fact, it's written down right here in your notes. Chapter 12, when they get all these walls built, because they're going to be building these. They're, just because we listed Who's all doing the building doesn't mean that it's done. There's 52 days to build this. This is where they're working at. And now we're going to get some storyline on what's going on while they're doing this building. And then in chapter 12, which is about 52 days later, say 60 days later, I'm not sure exactly how many days it was, they're going to have a celebration. They're going to dedicate the walls that they built in 52 days. Nehemiah is going to come out this valley gate, oh, excuse me, valley gate right here, which is interesting because right there is the palace of David. That may have been rebuilt, and that may have been where the governor was staying. 
And he has been there ever since. That's where he came out for his night travel. So he may be staying right here. But anyway, he comes out here with a group of priests, and they walk down around this, and they name him places as they're going. They come in the water gate, go in the south gate, and up here. Ezra leads the priests out the same valley gate at the same time, goes up, goes past all these places, walks across the north wall, and comes in the prison gate and meets Nehemiah's group here. Nehemiah comes behind, Ezra leads, because Ezra's the priest. And they meet right here, and they have a great celebration. That's the end of the book of Ezra, uh, or Nehemiah. That's chapter 12. But we will, once again, in chapter 12, walk on these walls that we've just described. And then, of course, I've got some pictures in the book of me walking on the walls of uh, just, just to kind of, if you look on page 58 and 57, 56 and 58, there's some pictures of me walking on the walls. Just so you see, because you get an idea of, of, you can walk on them. They're big enough to walk on, and there's railings and stuff. But nonetheless, that is the end of chapter 3. I appreciate you being here. appreciate you sticking with it. I'll pray, and we'll be back in chapter 4 next week. Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the history that you've provided. We thank you for the faithfulness of previous generations and ask that we may take up the mantle and continue to do the things that you've called us to, that we may project this into the next generation, that they also may have a chance to serve you faithfully with a solid foundation of truth built on your word. Again, we thank you for this opportunity and ask that you'd continue to empower us with your spirit and with your word and with Christian fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.